For the house of the Lord were of burnished bronze. Burnished bronze, that is a polished bronze. Uh, and it me- literally means to make bald or to make bright. And you only do that by polishing it and it comes out, a, it's just decadent when brass like that is polished. And it, again, just reflecting the glory of God. Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with senior pastor and teacher Rob Kellogg. All the items in the temple were constructed with burnished bronze, which reflected the glory of Almighty God. The house of God was a place where people experienced what the pillars and these items were all about. At that house, people were established in their relationship with God. At that house, people were given strength from the Lord. From this building, it should go out to the whole community. Come here and get established. Come here and receive the strength of God. Now let's join Pastor Rob as he concludes chapter 7 in the book of 1 Kings. was the length of each cart and four cubits its width and three cubits its height. So the bronze uh, carts were six feet in length, four and a half feet in width and in height on spokes or on uh, chariot wheels. And this was the design of the carts. They had panels, and the panels were between frames. And on the panels that were between the frames were lions and oxen and cherubim, as you can see pictured. And on the frames was a pedestal on top. Below the lions and oxen were wreaths of plated work. And every cart had four bronze wheels and axles of bronze and its four feet and had supports. Under each laver were supports of cast bronze beside each wreath. Verse 31, its opening inside the crown at the top was one cubit in diameter, and the opening was round, shaped like a pedestal, one and a half cubits in outside diameter, and also on the opening were engravings, but the panels were square, not round. And under the panels were the four wheels, and the axles of the wheels were joined to the cart. The height of a wheel was one and a half cubits, which is basically two and a half feet, and the workmanship of the wheels was like the workmanship of a chariot wheel. Like uh, their axle pins, their rims, their spokes, and their hubs were all of cast bronze. So think of the amount of money that took. I mean, if you were to build anything like this today, it would be outrageous. And someone would come along and say, you know, that's just a big waste. You should give, sell all that stuff and give it to the poor. <laughs> but I say, you don't understand what worship is. We don't understand. We don't understand a woman who would take a year's worth of resources, a a year's wage of spikenard, and then to break that and to pour it on Jesus and to anoint his head and his feet. 
Judas had a problem with that. He's like, are you kidding me? We could have sold this and fed the poor. And Jesus said, the poor you're going to have all with you always, but me, not always. And isn't he worthy to have extravagant worship poured out upon him? I mean, really, is there anybody who has a... I don't have a problem with that. In fact, I think sometimes our greatest worship is the thing that's... And and God doesn't require it of you, okay? But there may come a time where God will put his finger on something that means more to you than anything, and he'll say, can you? I'm not asking you if you will, but will you? Would you be willing to give that to me? Would you be willing to give that to somebody else that I want you to give it to? Or would you be willing to part with this thing that's most valuable to you. And the person who's not a worshiper will say, forget it, I'm walking away. And many do. But some people are so touched by Jesus that they're willing to say, you know what, God, after what you've done in my heart, after you save my soul, is there anything that I can or should withhold from you? Lord, I will give you much more than that if you ask. I'll give it all to you. And see, that's the heart of a worshiper, extravagant worship. And that's what you see in Mary of Bethany when she poured that ointment on Jesus. Don't ever any, let anybody get in the way between you and worship. And if it's extravagant and expensive, all the better. Don't let somebody come and reason you out of doing something for someone because the Lord has told you to do it. And he may. He may not. But the thing is, is am I willing That's the battle. That's the battle right there is in my will. Once God can touch my will, then for him to speak to me in a dream or to speak to me in the still small voice, and you'll know it when God speaks to you. And when he does, if the battle has already been won in your heart, it's very easy to follow through. And you'll know it when it happens. And you're so willing. He causes us first to will and then to do of his good pleasure. Isn't that the way it always is? He works on our heart first. He doesn't take anything from you. He doesn't even want, he doesn't need anything. But sometimes I need to be challenged in my worship of God. Because I, I say it all the time, Lord, I love you. And the Lord's like, I know you love me, Rob. Like we read in, in John 21, Peter, do you love me? Lord, you know, I, I, I like you in kind of a friendly way. But do you agapeo me, Peter? You know I, I, I phileo you, Lord. I, I, I have a fond interest in you. Well, Peter, do you even phileo me? Yes. I do phileo you, Lord. I I do love you in a loving, friendly kind of way. And Jesus never cast him away. He took what he had. And Peter's growth, he would grow in that worship of God. He would grow to the point where he would be willing to go to the cross. And that's exactly what happened. They hung him upside down, we believe, and he was willing to be crucified because his heart had become so, it was this small, but then as he, as he grew in Christ, his heart became so large that it was an easy thing for him to be crucified. I'm not saying it was easy, but it was easy for him to give up the, the, the greatest thing. And that's your life. Anybody can hand over a $50 bill. Anybody can write a, th- a check for $10,000 or $50,000 or $44 billion to buy Twitter. Anybody can do that. Well, not everybody with $44 billion. Only a few people can do that. But you know, the ultimate sacrifice, Peter took that. And God doesn't require that of every one of us. But you know, this is worship. All of these things, 
the gold, an un- untold number of how much this was, the silver, the bronze, the brass, everything was just incredible. So notice the, um, uh, let's see. The workmanship of the wheels is like the workmanship of a chariot wheel. We, we looked at that, verse 34. And there were four supports at the four corners of each cart. Its supports were part of the cart itself. And on top of the cart and the height of half, uh, at the height of half a cubit, it was perfectly round. And on the top of the cart, its flanges and its panels were of the same casting. Verse 36, on the plates of its flanges were on its panels. He engraved, notice, cherubims, lions, and palm trees. No doubt lions because of the lion of the tribe of Judah. No doubt the cherubim, speaking of his heavenly origin, and the palm trees, I think of Eden, I think of nature, I think of God, creator of all things. And wherever there was a a clear space on each, they would do that with wreaths all around. Very beautiful, ornate work. Thus he made the ten carts, and all of them were of the same mold, one measure and one shape. And then he made ten lavers of bronze. Each laver contained 40 baths, or approximately 240 gallons. So there were ten of those brass things holding 240 gallons of water. They were placed on the carts. And each laver was four cubits, and on each of the ten carts what was a uh, on each of the ten carts was a laver. And he put the five carts on the right side of the house, and five on the left side of the house. And he set the sea on the right side of the house. I guess depending on where you're at, um, and toward the southeast, so we can see that uh, because north is. Um, North is that direction, south is this direction, so that laver was placed right there in those carts, somewhere on the north, somewhere on the south side of it. And then finally, in verse 40, we get into the other furnishings of the temple, the the shovels and the bowls, the pots, the altar of gold, the table of showbread, the lampstands, the basins, the gold wick trimmers, the ladle censers, and the hinges for the doors. Notice in verse 40, Hurim, this gentleman, made the labors and the shovels and the bowls. And so Hurim doing, uh, finished doing all the work that he was to do for King Solomon for the house of the Lord. The two pillars, the two bowl-shaped capitals that were on top of the two pillars, the two networks covering the bowl-shaped capitals which were on top of the pillars, 400 pomegranates for the two networks, two rows of pomegranates for each network to cover the two, the two bowl-shaped capitals that were on top of the pillars. And those for, in verse 43, the ten carts, the ten lavers on the carts, one C, which is that very large one right there on the, on the left side, uh, on the southeast side of the, of the thing that held 11 or 12,000 gallons of water. That's a, that's a swimming pool. Basically, although they didn't swim in it, trust me. Um, One sea and twelve oxen under the sea. And notice verse 45, the pots, the shovels, the bowls. All these articles which Hiram made for King Solomon for the house of the Lord were of burnished bronze. Burnished bronze, that is a polished bronze. Uh, And it literally means to make bald or to make bright. And you only do that by polishing it, and it comes out, a, it's just decadent when brass like that is polished. And it, again, just reflecting the glory of God. 
The glory and the beauty of Jesus Christ. And then verse 46, And in the plain of Jordan the king had them cast in clay molds between Sakoth and Zeratan. Now these two uh, places are, if you were to look at a map of Israel, right in the center of Israel is the Jordan Valley. And then you have the Sea of Galilee in the north, and then you have the Dead Sea in the south. And somewhere in the middle of that Jordan Valley are these two towns. And so all of these things were cast in clay molds, and they would pour the molten brass into these molds and make these articles again, and they would polish them and get them ready, and they would, they would then bring them to Jerusalem so that there would be no sound, no sound of a saw, no sound of a hammer. Everything was just quietly put together. And we looked at why that was perhaps last week. We talked about just the quietness of it and just the the quiet way that the Holy Spirit works in our lives and in our hearts. And so verse 47, And Solomon did not weigh all the articles because there were so many, and the weight of the bronze was not determined. Thus Solomon had all the furnishings made for the house of the Lord, the altar of gold and the table of gold on which was the showbread. And the altar of gold that he's talking about here is the altar of incense. That's that one article that is right before the the doors, before the Holy of Holies, where there was only... In Solomon's temple, there were only three articles that were in there. The two 15-foot gold cherubim with their wings touching in the middle and spanning out to the edge of the, of the, of the sides of the, of the temple. And then right between those two cherubim was the Ark of the Covenant with the poles in them. Remember, those acacia wood poles that were lined with gold. And so verse 49, the lampstands of pure gold, five on the right side, five on the left side, in front of the inner sanctuary. The inner sanctuary is what? The Holy of Holies, right? So when it talks about the inner or the outer sanctuary, the outer sanctuary is what we call the holy place. That's the 60-foot portion. The nave really is what you think of it. If you're in a cathedral, it would be the main part where people would come in that's the nave, if you will. And then the 30 by 30 cube is the inner sanctuary or the holy of holies. And so the lamp stands of pure gold, five on the right, five on the left, in front of the inner sanctuary with the flowers and the lamps and the wick trimmers of gold, the basins, the trimmers, verse 50, the bowls, the ladles and the censers of pure gold and the hinges of gold, both for the doors of the inner room, the most holy place, and for the doors of the main hall of the temple. And so all the work that King Solomon had done for the house of the Lord was finished. And Solomon brought in the things which his father David had dedicated, the silver and the gold and the furnishings. He put them in the treasuries of the house of the Lord. And remember, when, when David was, uh, because he couldn't build the temple, he amassed everything that Solomon needed for it, for that building. And so he had brass without number, gold and silver and the precious stones, all that stuff. And so now there was so much stuff that was left over that they would put them in those rooms on the sides of the temple. So right in the center you have the main part, the holy place, when you go in. And then 60 feet away you've got a a wall. And then on the other side of that is the Holy of Holies where the Ark of the Covenant would be and the cherubim. But on the left and the right of that main hallway were... um, 
um, areas, storehouses, that they would actually access from the left side over on, on the south side. They would enter in a door there, and the, the, the rooms were five cubits, I think, on the first floor, six on the second, and then seven on the top one, supporting themselves beautifully the way they, are, they orchestrated that whole thing. But they would take all of these treasures and put them in there. And you think about the treasures that God has laid up for us in glory. He says, I've gone to prepare a place for you. And this is where I want to turn this around really, really quick before we, um, before we end. Is just think about that. You know, think about that. And think about how beautiful the temple was. And the Bible tells us that you are now the temple of the Holy Spirit. You are now the temple of God because God dwells in you. And if that be the case, and after we look at all of the effort and all the money that was spent in, in accumulating the wealth to build this, and you think about how glorious it was and how beautiful it was, it really makes me think about, well, if I'm the temple of the Holy Spirit, then ought not I to take care of myself inside and out? Should I not have the most important thing is inside and, and the Holy Spirit dwells in us, right? And so there ought to be this reciprocation of when he comes into us that I'm willing to let him take charge. I'm willing to let him clean the house. I'm willing to make, let him make what inside of me the most beautiful thing. And the cool thing is, is that he's doing that in each of us little by little. I couldn't handle being sanctified to the extent that Christ ultimately wants me to be. I, I, none of us could handle it. And it takes time. And he does it little by little because then we, we really appreciate it. And then we're like, oh God, I'm just so thankful that I've got this. I'm still on this, this process of sanctification. You're setting me apart from the world. You're making me hate those things that I used to love to do because all they did is destroy my body. And now I understand that. And now you're conforming me to your image and you're giving me a whole other healthier outlook, not only on what's going inside my eyes and my ears. Everything is changing. And ought it, ought it not to do that? He's making us beautiful on the inside. He's making what's in here. That's why I said it's, it's what comes out of a man that defiles a man. But if what's in here is the Holy Spirit, then what should come out of my life should be the things of God. It should be his character, his love, his grace should be coming out of me. And if it's not, I have to ask the question, well, what's going on? Is, is it God's problem or is it my problem? I can tell you right now that it's my problem. I'm the one who puts the stop in the hole when he wants to bless me. I often put my, my finger in that hole and I say, you know what, Lord, I'm just not going to let those blessings come through that hole. I like my sin too much. I'm familiar with it. Darkness is a friend. Hello, darkness, my old friend. Right? <laughs> Sometimes we do. We have greater fellowship with darkness than with light. And then only when we take our finger off that and allow the light of God to shine through, all of a sudden it changes everything. Lord, light this, your searchlight in every area of my heart, in your heart tonight. Turn on the flashlight, million, eight billion candle power light, and burn up everything that's of nothing. Burn up the dross and all the weeds and the paper and the, and the, the stuff that doesn't matter. Burn it all up, God. So the only thing that remains is you and what you want for my life. Pretty cool. 
And see, when I think of the temple, that's what I think about. I think of what God wants to make us. And ultimately, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a type of Christ. Notice on the outside, I mean, it's, it's kind of nice. But think of the tabernacle. It, did, it didn't look good on the outside, but on the inside, it was beautiful. You, look, you open the doors of that thing, and you're in a different world. And it's a representation of the beauty and the holiness of Jesus. And he indwells us by his spirit. And so if that be the case, shouldn't I take care of my spiritual life? Shouldn't I take care of my physical life? Shouldn't I take care of this temple that he purchased? Yeah. Because that's what he wants to make us. He wants to make us beautiful. And it's not just eyeliner and makeup. No, he could care less about that. I mean, that's all fine and good, but it's what's inside. Let him do that work. And this temple is significant for the people of Israel because, number one, it was a symbol of God's presence with his people. It was their center of worship and sacrifice. It was a reminder of the seriousness of sin and God's mercy as they would do the sacrificial uh, the, 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 the sacrifices. It prepared the people for the true focus of the temple, which was ultimately going to be the Messiah, Jesus Christ. Whom, when he did finally show up, they crucified him. They didn't want anything to do with him. They kicked him out of the temple. They didn't want him around. And it was also a place of prayer. So think about what God wants to do in you. You know, as we've looked at this, just let, think about that for a few days. And just say, Lord, if, if, if that's so beautiful, and I'm the, I'm the, the, Paul tells us that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, if that's the, the case, then, Lord, will you clean up this temple? And will I be willing to point out things in my own life and say, you know what, I know this has got to go. This thing that I do, this thing that I think, this thing that I entertain, whatever it is, am I willing to let it go? And God is patient. He's patient. And little by little, you know what I find in my life, and this is probably true for your life too, is as I go along, as I go along in my walk with Christ, I find that there are things that I hold near and dear to me And as time goes on, and I become more aware of him and his love for me and his grace, I slowly start to lift my fingers off. You know, the white knuckles on top of the steering wheel? You know, they're white as knuckle, and you're holding on to that thing, whatever it is. And eventually, as time goes on, you're just like, you know what? I'm really glad to be not having that on the throne of my heart anymore. Because, Lord, you're on the throne of my heart. If I'm the temple, then Lord, have your way in this holy of holies, this place in my heart. And so, let's pray. I'm not going to have you stand because I'm, I'm going to watch something if you're willing. I think it will really bless you. It only, it's only five minutes. But let's pray and then we'll do that afterwards. Father, we just thank you uh, for this uh, chapter. And um, Lord, we pray that you, we know that you are doing wonderful things in us, Lord. And Lord, help us not to grow impatient, Lord, with the things that you're doing. Lord, I know that, I, that there's so often I want, to be, I, want, I want to be farther along in this process than I really am. And Lord, it's frustrating sometimes, but I can't get there, Lord. I, and, and I know that I'm not alone here. And, and Lord, would you just give us the patience just to wait upon you and trust you for this process? Because Lord, when you finally bring it to us, it's going to be so supernaturally natural It's going to practically just be in our lap and we're not going to even realize it. And then there it is and we're going to be so blessed. And you're just so careful like that, Lord. You're so sweet like that. You're so careful. 
And you're so loving and gentle, God. Do that work in us tonight and all throughout this week, Lord. And bless us as we um, put our hands to the things of tomorrow. Guide and direct our thoughts and our actions, Lord. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of 1 Kings. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as our location, service times, information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, and information regarding Bread of Life Academy, our new school opening in the fall of 2023. Just click the school link at the top of the page for more information. Additionally, you may also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's Sanctuary Messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play Podcast or Apple Podcast. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.